What's up, everyone, and welcome to Beer Breakdown, where we dig into the stories behind some of our favorite beers with the brewers that brew them. My name's Gary, founder of Hopped LA, back again with a very great episode. Today, I sat down with Chris Ennegrin of Ennegrin Brewing Company. These guys are just off celebrating their 10-year anniversary, and wow, uh, we drink their 10-year anniversary release, plus a very special and very rare IPA from Ennegrin. Have you had an IPA from Ennegrin? Probably not, unless it was like 2012. So um, two really amazing beers, and uh, it was really fascinating to talk with Chris about the last 10 years of Ennegrin, how they got started, what they've been up to, and just what is it like being a lager-only brewery in California in 2021 uh yeah there's uh a lot that's different about this brewery and about chris and their mindset and what has kept them alive for so long and brewing some of the best beers that you can possibly get your hands on it's just so good so um i highly recommend you first grab zanefest their 10-year anniversary release if you can find it go out and grab it uh, then listen to this episode. But I highly recommend checking out Ennegrin. Uh, they're out in Moore Park. It's uh, you know, out in Ventura County, just over the county line. And um, their outdoor beer garden is amazing. The beers that they have on tap there, are you're not going to be able to find them packaging cans or undrafted a lot of places, especially right now. So it's just worth going to the source, checking them out. Uh, they just have a really cool space. Um, Oktoberfest is coming up. I just tried their Oktoberfest beer and it's so good. And they're going to be having a really cool party in true Ennegrin German style as they always do. So you definitely want to check that out. There's nothing like an Ennegrin party. Um, yeah, love those guys, love what they're doing. And we had a great conversation today. So grab your Zinefest, fire up this podcast and give it a listen. But first, a quick word from our sponsors, Hilo Liquor. I've been talking about Hilo week after week after week and for great reason. They're the best bottle shop in Los Angeles. They have the best selection. They're getting some of the coolest beers from L.A. breweries, um, other breweries within Southern California and also just around the country and internationally. Some of the best stuff, a lot of rare stuff. Um, just really, really cool stuff coming into Hilo. They have a shop in Culver City. They have a shop in Long Beach. Uh, they do delivery to your door in Los Angeles. Uh, they're about to open up in Costa Mesa. So Orange County, look out. Uh, they also do shipping throughout California. You can't beat Hilo. They have such great beers coming in. Uh, check out their Instagram at Hilo Liquor and then also their beer Instagram at Hilo Beer. H-I-L-O-B-E-E-R if you can't spell and uh, that's where they're posting some of their newest, latest, and greatest releases. Um, I recommend turning on notifications for that account so that you're updated as soon as they get something new in because sometimes these beers sell out kind of quick. Uh, they get some really cool stuff. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, they actually just started opening up their Long Beach location for the tasting room so you can get some beer poured on tap. They do tastings on Fridays. Um, they also do uh, food trucks from time to time as well. So just a cool spot to check out in person. Go shopping, grab a pour, and uh, yeah, just get some good beer in your fridge. So thank you to Hilo for sponsoring the podcast. Hilo, drink well. Cool, man. Well, thanks. Uh 
Thanks for jumping on. It's such a big week for you guys. Uh, how you feeling? Ten years. Good. I mean, it's geez, it's been a long time, I guess. Right? <laughs> Looking back <laughs> to the beginning, it seems like a long time ago, a lot long ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you uh, had a chance to like reflect on on the decade, or has it just been like go go go? It's been a lot of just go, I guess, but. I guess looking back on it, it was just kind of fun just to kind of imagine like when we were just starting off, like what what breweries we thought were like so cool to be able to get a tour in or go in the back room and look at and kind of ones we would look up to. And um, back then it was like we had a little three barrel system. So going out to see some like five barrel thing was like the big deal. That was like the big league someday. I never really saw ourselves being this big, really. It was like, you know, kind of like, let's just take it one step at a time and we'll keep pushing and hopefully things will work out well, but we'll try to grow it, you know, organically. But uh, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, we got, we have uh, accumulated quite the amount of brewing equipment (laughs) and toys. So (laughs) yeah, it's uh, been great. Really thankful for our our fans and, and customers. It's really, really been a great, great 10 years. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned like organic growth. I feel like you guys are just like the perfect example of organic growth, uh, starting off in a community that probably wasn't screaming for a brewery when you guys opened up and um, just organically building that community of beer drinkers and um, yeah, moving into that that space that you're in now and growing the way that you have, uh, being able to see some of the collabs you guys have been putting out and just yeah, the organic growth over time just is re- readily apparent for for you guys. You know, when everyone's in big time push growth mode, how do we tweak the lever to, uh, you know, brew the trendy style to get the attention? Like you guys have just been really focused on good beer. Uh, yeah, your mission and developing that community. And it looks like it's paying off. It's really cool to see. Yeah, it, it's you know, it's definitely something great being able to to brew only the beer you like to make and make a whole business out of it. It's something that um, can come off um, really hard sometimes, especially doing what we like to do, which is, you know, for the most part, which, you know, now it's kind of trivial, but like obscure styles, like the word lager was like unheard of in craft brewing when we started, which it, it just meant crappy beer to most people. And you know, people would be like, oh, I'm a beer connoisseur. And it's like, well, I, lager is for cheap people. I'm like, okay, no, that's not. No, you knucklehead, we need to educate you now on how this works because it's not just the degree of hoppiness or IBUs means the beer is better. So, um, but I, I guess what kind of like led us on that whole path was that we're always into home brewing. That was like our biggest thing. We loved home brewing, it was just fun making beer. And, um, I wasn't taking orders from my friends to make beer that I hated. It was making beer that I wanted to drink. And then I shared it with my buddies and we had a good time. And my brother, Matt and Joe and, and I were in college. We were, we we're doing that. We we're pushing on things we like to drink. And that was it. And then that kind of grew into like, all right, we're getting pretty big with this home brewing. We're, we're like doing a lot of it. We're brewing every weekend. And looking back on it, kind of looking at some of the emails we'd send back and forth, there's like, wow, you guys are you guys are weirdos like really uh, really into that aren't you <laughs> so um yeah just really we we're intense we had like a whole bank account we ran and like we would we would like tap a certain amount of our paychecks every month to go into our our home brewing funds we'd buy all the equipment and fund things with it and we all had really good jobs too which made it even better 
So um did that for a little while and then we had to move out of my parents' house. You know, they actually moved to Arizona and we we're my brother Matt and I were just living there for a couple of years, brewing in the garage in this like really sweet automated brew house that we just made with all the stuff we wanted to buy because it was fun and um built this little brewery. So at the time we were building that thing, little three barrel system, you know, we heard all these horror stories from people on pro brewer which we used to call like the website of broken dreams because it's all people like you can't do what i do and you can't do that and so you can't make money off a three barrel system we're like who said we want to make money we want to have fun making beer and we want it to pay for itself that's literally all we want to do if it could pay for itself and not cost us money to make beer like that was cool (laughs) that's what we wanted to do and that turned into like a pretty cool side gig where we would just kind of fund the brewery we'd we'd get money and we never pulled a dime from it we just um pulled the money right back into it and bought new tanks and kept going and going and we were just accustomed to making what we wanted and that was the fun part of it like we would work all day at work you know eight to ten hour day come home at night and we would keg and clean tanks till like one in the morning or we'd brew all night long but we like to do that because it was fun for us And the beer coming out of it was exactly what we wanted. It was like, I want this. Let's make it. And that's how it's going to be. And um, when we got into the the big brewery, that's where things got a little bit different. We're getting into somewhere where we're not just selling beer to the local customers on the street, where I can tell them what Rauchbach means and let them try it out, or tell them that lager doesn't mean cheap. It means way more time and way more money to make, you know, that kind of thing. And we get into this, this bigger brewery where we rely on distribution. And that's where I started getting this like feeling like, oh, God, you know, people, the distributors tell me like, you know, you, you can't just make things that you want. You got to make things that the people want. And that's what is selling. And, you know, you got to make fruit IPA. That was a trend back then. Been a, a dumb trend every year, I think, for 10 years we've been in business for. And that was the one we had. And I was just like, Oh God, I can't do this. I didn't get, I didn't quit my like awesome, great paying job to just take orders from people. I'm, I'm going to just make beer for myself <laughs> and then I'll share it with people if that's the case. So that, that's when like we started really like kind of coming to the conclusion like, okay, this sucks. Like, I don't know if I want this. Like, this is not very fun. If I'm just going to go out and roll my eyes and make something just to justify having like more equipment in here, well, I don't want to do that, you know? So, that's when we kind of looked at it and we just said, that's, that's it. We're, we're going to, we're going to focus on what we want and we're going to push it and we'll see what happens. If it, if it doesn't go that well, then like, whatever, we'll, we'll, we tried, but if it does go well, then it'll be great. And we ended up just, um, working out really well for us. But during that whole time, we never, we never took loans on anything. Everything was all very cash based. Cause it was like, well, we're not just like running this huge thing, trying to be a big brewery from day one. We're just trying to grow our, what we think is cool for us. Like we want to grow this lager German style brand. And, and that was our thing. So when we got enough money in to buy another tank, we'd buy another tank. If we didn't have enough money to pay me, I would just pay myself poorly for a little while. And that was fine. And we kept growing and growing. And now we get to this point where it's like, we have all this equipment. We've got barely any loans on it at all. So we can control whatever we want. We can make whatever we want. And it's been working out great. And what like really just makes my heart break when I go to like beer fest and people will be like, Oh my gosh, you brought, you brought four loggers. Wow. That is so cool. That's what we like to drink. I'm like, what'd you bring? Oh, it's our hazy strawberry vanilla milkshake IPA. I'm like, like, Hey man, why do you, 
how do you expect me to drink your beer if you're not even excited to tell me about it? Like that seems like a nightmare business for you. And you know, I think that's why we're we're really thankful we made those choices back then because waking up in the morning to go to work, I am stoked and I'm dreaming about what's coming out of the tank next and I just love what I'm doing. That's amazing. Yeah, I I feel like going through the beer industry right now and seeing that kind of stuff that's coming out that, you know, I guess you could say roughly resembles beer, maybe in label only, but um, yeah, it's kind of like you got into it for a certain reason and then you let the the tide carry you to wherever it wanted to take you and you find yourself in this position. I feel like most brewers start out with a similar mindset as yours, like I want to make beer that I like to drink. How hard is it? How hard was it to stay that course? Like... How hard is it to continue staying that course? What does it take? Oh, it's very easy. I mean, I'm I'm in it for the art. That's that's the thing. If you if you're a sculptor, you don't just start making finger paintings. They sell more. You end up doing something different. You know, it's it's what we do. This is our thing. And I think a lot of like chefs feel the same way. They're going to do what they want to do. And at the end of the day, I mean, like working in a brewery can be the best job in the world, or it can be the worst job in the world. There's just so much going on. It's a lot of work. It's physical. If you like what you're doing, you're excited to work. And, in, and I don't have to even stop. I'll, I'll just keep going if I, if I can. But um, if you don't like doing that, then it's just not very fun. But I think what's like what's kind of like killing the art right now is this like idea of being big for the sake of it or, or having to make a ton of money off of it. And if you're gauging all your decisions off of like this um, salary you need to be making for yourself and for everything else, you're doing that first, you're not going to put quality decisions um, or, or like even what you believe in first. You're going to put in like, I have to justify all these tanks I bought because it's like, you know, and also the other thing that's kind of interesting is when we started off, like we had a little three barrel system, there's a lot of tiny breweries starting everywhere. And you can see like institution, they're like our neighbors up here and they're, they're huge right now too. And, um, they had a little tiny brewery too, same kind of thing. Like they, they started small and they make what they wanted and they got bigger and bigger and they kind of grew into themselves. We grew into ourselves. Like we're very like in different ways, but, um, that was kind of like something I saw a lot of back when we were starting, but now I see a lot of like, all of a sudden there's like a giant production warehouse, bunch of investors and, a thousand tanks in a big room and day one, a lot of contract brew coming out of it because you got obviously overhead to pay for. And at that point it's not art anymore. It's just kind of like order taking. It's like making beer for the sake of making beer. And, and I think like, um, that kind of, uh, that's why you see a lot of the same trends going everywhere. Like 10 years ago, you had like Belgian stuff and some guy was making English beer and you had all these other weird things going on. Everyone's a little bit different. And now it's like, I can almost like sum up a lot of breweries into kind of the same trend and then they, all the trends shift again. And it's like, you know, <laughs> what's the, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, totally. And I mean, when it comes to like something like you were talking about with like distribution, when you get into like the machine of the industry, how do you navigate something like that? Do you, is it like education to the distributor or is it like having to, you know, not back like, sever that relationship or go in a different direction and, you know, mutually agree that this wasn't the right decision. Like, how do you navigate like those types of things? I guess the biggest thing is education. Yeah. When you look at a distributor and you think of like how, how, how did they measure success and how do you measure success as a brewery? 
as a brewery, you measure success as they buy a bunch of your beer. And they measure success as they sell a bunch of your beer. But they're not going to go to a bar and, you know, they got like 50 plus brands. They're not going to go to the bar and just sell your beer only. They're going to go in there and a lot of times they're going to drop a brochure down and the guy behind the bar is going to just pick out what he thinks is going to sell well. And, you know, not always trying something new or especially for us, like making lager, it was like, oh, no, we already have a lager on tap. It's Bud Light and we have like 30 IPAs but lager is cheap and people want IPA. And I'm like, well, we'll put like one lager on there then. Like, but, um, so that, that was kind of like the, one of the, the tougher parts right there. So when we brought, um, so John, my, my buddy, John, I played football with them and actually I knew known him for a while, but, um, he was kind of helping us out in the old brewery, you know, with some parties and stuff. And then he started getting on here. And then once we started really kind of hitting it was when he jumped on and handled all the sales because for a while I was like it was a two man show. I was brewing, um, kegging, keg washing, cleaning all the tanks, uh, packaging stuff. Then I go out and try to sell stuff too. And that's hard because you got to be on top of it all the time. And, um, that, that was a, <laughs> you just can't do that. So at that point, that's when John came on and started taking just all of the sales and all of like the, uh, the festivities and stuff. And he's, he's a real fun guy to talk to anyway. So he does a really good job with that. So, um, when he was getting out there, his whole thing was like, all right, I got to show these people about this beer and I got to show them what it pairs with and teach them all about the styles and the history. And, you know, when you hear like alt beer, it's like, what the hell is that? But when you hear like pairs well with the hamburger really, really well and try it right now, then you think, okay, this is perfect. Let's put it on tap now. So that kind of really started helping us out to the point where, um, he started getting a little bit of a sales crew together, getting out to bars. And then we kind of got this like almost like a doctrine where we realized, okay, this is not we, – we don't rely on our distributors to sell our beer. We rely on them to, to physically transport it from the warehouse to the bar and deal with all the shenanigans of bars not paying and stuff on time and you know getting the checks here and there. But for all the sales, we'll rely on you know what John's kind of selling out there. So John would go out there and you know he'd pre-sell a whole bunch of something like Rauk beer, something that our distributor would like cringe to even think about even having it on their their site. And we'd say, all right, Harry, you need to take you know a couple pallets of this one. Well, no, no we don't want that one because it's not going to sell. And we're like, no, 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 we already sold it. We need you to deliver it. Just do that. And then we started realizing that like that's how we're going to have to work this thing. But um, being in like a situation where we're not like strangled by debt, we were able to like step back and go, all right, all right, how do we do this? Okay. We're, we're still good. We got like good cash in the bank. We're very financially stable. We're able to now like navigate that the right way instead of having to react to just like, you know, survival mode only. So that was kind of like the growing small and slow part that was, I guess, like the really, really good thing. Just keeping our keep our expectations where we thought they were, they should be not swinging for the fences day one and just kind of focusing on like, look, this is great beer. We're putting a lot of money into the science and technology behind it. Let's just, let's just rely on that and we'll, it'll come around. And now it's, it's awesome. I just like, I think maybe five years ago, that's when I was like, I don't know, man, this, I might be getting a real job again. This sucks. <laughs> Can't do this forever. And now I'm just like, I need to get a bigger brewery. This is this is doing this is doing wonderfully. So yeah, that's amazing. It's been good. It's been yeah. good. <laughs> I mean, this, this the space you guys have carved out there, uh, the alley, um, 
let me rewind a little bit. If someone doesn't know what Ennegrin Brewing is, what's the rundown? Give us the the elevator pitch of Ennegrin. Okay, so really in a nutshell, we're a German-focused brewery where we spend more of our time focusing on lager. So I think out of 12 beers on the board, we have 10 of them that are lagers. We've got a Hefeweizen and an Alt beer. Those are the only two ales we kind of run. We'll throw some things in once in a while, like a Coles or some other shenanigans or a little bit of a, a brew, um, brew crew kind of like special batch once in a while. But focus on German-style lagers, and the reason behind that is – Simply, this is our favorite style of beer, and this is what we know how to make really, really well. And we want to just make a ton of it and share it with everybody. We've got a great spot with a beer garden outside, a restaurant. We share this space with a winery, and it's set up with like German beer garden. Um, same kind of tables. Actually, we bought a bunch of them from German breweries in Germany, so it's, it's legit. <laughs> it has a German graffiti carved in on the bottom of the table somewhere, some some places. So kind of kind of interesting but um yeah so that's that's kind of what we're we're focusing on we're we're mostly lager and it's fun because it's it's a niche it's a very it's a very um good niche for us there's not a lot of lager breweries out there and like i said we we've grown into it slowly so it wasn't like we're taking our our 100 ale brewery and turning it into a lager brewery where we now make you know one fourth the beer like immediately so it was just like yeah beer takes like like eight weeks is how how beer works for us, no matter what. It's just around that, and we kind of just deal with that. And that's that's it. So we buy have a lot more tanks, and have a lot more fun stuff to to do in our brewery. I'm an engineer by my background, so I like the German style stuff because it's all very mechanical heavy and um, basic on the ingredients. So um, I have a good time spending our money at this place on on fun pumps and valves and fittings and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Uh, you guys are located in Moore Park. You know, for anyone that doesn't know, it's tucked off right off of the 23 and the 118, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. We're like right between Thousand Oaks and Simi, pretty much. So if you're in the Thousand Oaks, Westlake area, we're like right over the over the hill. So are you from that area originally? Or like what drew you to Moore Park originally 10 years ago? I'm from Massachusetts. And we moved out to Moore Park in 2000. So I've been here ever since. And um, I went to high school in Moore Park, Moore Park High. So that's where I met my wife, actually. So that's, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, so I went to Moore Park High. Then I went off to college at Loyola Marymount. That was down in L.A. And um, brother Matt went to the same school. I met Joe from Lacrosse lacrosse on the same lacrosse team and when i was home brewing in this little off-site house i was living in um with my brother he wasn't living with me but we were home brewing together when i moved out of that house i need to put the brewery somewhere i was gonna put it in my um my garage and that's when joe was like hey you can put it in my garage i'll brew with you guys so from then it was every damn weekend me and matt and joe would brew all the way up to we us building this new brewery um but after college i moved back home to moore park Started working at Medtronic, doing um, pharmaceutical, like biotech engineering stuff. And um, I'd come home after work. And I was living with my folks, just wanted to save some money so I could buy a house. And coming home, kind of a boring city, nothing really going on here. And I would, you know, build automated brewery stuff in my garage. That was my fun. It's super nerdy, but I loved it. <laughs> so I would do that. And then that brewery kind of started getting bigger and bigger. And that's when we were getting that idea of like, Hey, you know, we, we got to do this for real. Let's, let's start a small brewery. That's like, 
you know, our side gig weekend job for now. And we'll, um, we'll move up from there. But that's some um, areas we're looking at some LA spots and the whole idea is somewhere that like we could get to easily, like after work. So my brother Matt and I were both living in Moore Park and we're both working kind of close to Moore Park. So we want to be somewhere in that area. Joe was living down in the LA area, but traffic was always a mess. But then I started getting the idea, like, you know, Moore Park was, is always like, it's a cool little town, but nothing really going on in it. But if we built a little brewery, it might be the thing that we could add to it. That'll be kind of a fun thing. So it'd be interesting to, to, you know, put it back in that high school town that we all kind of like said was super lame and we'll now have a brewery. That'll be interesting. And the rent was super cheap, which is also a great thing too. So we built that thing up there and then we realized that all the people in the city, like a lot of people like beer, there's nothing to go to. And by that time we were, let's see, there was lady face brewing that was, um, that came in before us. I forget what year they came in. I want to say like a year or two before that, maybe, um, there were a brew pub. And then outside of that, it was really surf brewing that opened up just like a couple weeks before us and they're not there anymore. But, um, yeah, so we were, um, we were like the second packaging brewery in Ventura County. Now we're like the oldest, which is cool. So it's pretty interesting considering all the different breweries in Ventura County. Now there's, there's so many of them. It's, it's amazing. But um, there wasn't a lot out there, so we had a really good um, good uh, following. People were coming from far away to come to our little spot, and we kind of grew with that. Yeah, it's, I remember uh, it must have been 2012 when I first came out for a visit at the original tasting room, I guess you could call it that, just walking into the brewery in that the little bar section where back then – you couldn't pour full pours. It was tasters oh, only, yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, it was the early days of, you know, educating and, um, yeah, establishing that presence. And you weren't logger only at that point, but um, those were, I feel like those were the beginning days. And we drove out from, like, Encino. So we were on the search for beer, and we heard about this brewery out there in, in Moore Park. I went to Moore Park College uh, for a couple years. So, um, I was familiar with the town and I was just like, wow, there's a brewery here now. I can't believe it. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just crazy to see the growth and, you know, you, you choose more park, you grow up there and you start that business there. And yeah, it's like that process of education. And Mm -hmm. you actually, you ran for like a, a city council position, right? Yep. And so what, what's that all about? Like, is it, do you love Moore Park or like, what's the motivation behind that? Yeah, I, I love the city. And ever since I moved into it, I thought it was just like a perfect little clean slate to just develop like really cool things on. It's like this little old town. It's got a train that goes right through it. And just wasn't a lot of stuff in there. And people always complain like, oh, Moore Park is so lame. It's like, yeah, it's lame because there's no businesses here. But if we brought some businesses in, we'd have a really fun city. So that's why it was, it was part of like the, I know we could probably make a lot more money if we were somewhere else, but not necessarily because if you're in a bigger area, you become a dime in a dozen, then you're forgotten the next week. But um, we want to kind of stand out like that. And now which been great is that a lot of cool spots are kind of coming in and this town's really developing. I ran for city council, actually just going through that whole build out of the brewery process. And that's when you kind of like understand where like, 
outside business meets politics and the rules and you realize that like, people are writing the rules that never owned a business or even, even worked in a business that wasn't the government in their whole lives. And I'm one of those people that I'll complain about everything, but I'm not going to only complain. I'll, I'll go and, you know, jump in, try to fix it. So I ended up, um, and a bunch of other, other things too, that kind of came in. So, but yeah, I ended up running for city council and I got it. So now I'm, now I'm city on city council, which has been great. So I'm trying to help out the small businesses and I'm doing a good job with that. So, but I, I love the city. It's a great city. Um, great spot to raise a family. And I'm, I'm like thankful that my brewery is like less than a mile up the hill. So I can just walk home if I want to, or have my bike down here in the morning. So it's a great spot. And we're we're in like the worst look. I guess I wouldn't say the worst location. We thought it was the worst location. You got to drive by the police station to get into our area, right. a little like industrial park. And we're in the way, way back corner. And it's like hard to find it sometimes. And what's interesting is when we started off, it was like, yeah, but it's cheap. People will find us. It's like the craft beer nerdy people. They're going to like people like me. We'll search out to find a brewery no matter where it is. We'll get to it. But, um, you know, and everyone says like, oh, it's location, location, location. Well, well, that's like not true anymore. It's not that way. It's, it's like internet presence. And then your car tells you where to go. Like if you're on main street, I'll probably put it in my navigation to get to it somewhere. So people have no problem finding us. And then the police station part has been great because, you know, <laughs> if I see like people out there, where's your brewery? And it's like the rough type that I know is going to cause a ruckus or a problem. Well, I can't go there then because it's at a police station. It was like, yes, you can't get blacked out and drive home. I guess that's the only weird thing about our brewery. So, but um, <laughs> it, it really kind of helps us screen out the the, the weirdos. But right. we have no problem packing <laughs> it up. So it's it's been doing well. But the other, other cool thing is we have these big giant bands here playing loud as heck, and and we never get a noise complaint because we're just so far off the you know the residential areas. So it works out great. You know, it's a good little spot. Totally. Yeah. You guys have some awesome events there. Uh, like you mentioned that like open air beer garden and just a couple days ago, celebrating the the 10 year anniversary, had another one of those and I didn't get to attend unfortunately, but it looked like another amazing event. And I'm sure you have something coming up for Oktoberfest, right? We do. Yeah. It, it was, it was a fun event. Yeah. Was Zen Fest. That was our 10 anniversary, 10 fest. And then we have um, Oktoberfest coming up, which is we, we go all out for that with a little like street fair in the corner. And then we have um, Ferris wheel and it's it's a nice big giant circus of fun and beer drinking. So I'm excited for that one. So um, we're starting to plan for that again now. So it's, it's coming pretty soon, but yeah, anniversary was good. Nice to get that one off, you know, without a hitch, get it over with. And so many parties to deal with that like once they go through I'm always like oh god now I can rest thank god <laughs> but it was a good time yeah so speaking of Zane Fest we got the beer uh that you released to commemorate the 10-year anniversary of the same name right yeah right so I'm gonna pull that out um and yeah I'd love to kind of walk through this beer with you um you know what it's all about and uh and drink it together so Zenfest means 10 in German and fest means fest in German. So <laughs> 10 fest. Okay. So here, here's the, here's the history of our anniversary beers. So starting out, like you, you mentioned, we weren't, we weren't really a lager only, but we were like German focused more and we had a lot of other stuff, but alt was like our, our main beer. And it's actually Valkyrie is the only beer that is, has been on our menu for since day one through 
um, through now. So, but um, we always did this like doppel sticker alt, which was a almost like a doppelbach version of a, of an alt beer. And we do that, and we make it all fancy. We bottle it or wax dip them and hand bottle all that stuff, and um, it was great. But like every year, and I don't know why it took us this long to figure it out, but it was like. Every year we'd see people outside just like sweating bullets. It's the middle of summer. It's hot. And we're like, oh, yeah, 11% like thing of molasses. This is so good. Like this sounds horrible. Like I wanted a beer that people could like drink outside and, and, and you know, and hang out, have a good time with. So that's when we started realizing like, you know, let's start like getting into some lighter stuff. Like maybe not do a Doppelbach in the middle of summertime. Let's, let's do a, let's just do a Pilsner or something a little bit heavier than that. So we did a couple um Imperial Pilsners over a couple of years. We've done one with um I think all American hops and one with all German and the last one was kind of a mix of both of them. Um this this year since we um John and I were talking we're like, "Yeah, we should call it like Zenfest and make it like a whole party, like almost like Oktoberfest because all of our parties, if you haven't noticed, like they've all kind of like turned into Oktoberfest. This is our favorite. You get to wear, we get to wear all of our leader hose and stuff that, you know, we all go out and buy and the more parties you have that are leader, leader hose and appropriate, it makes you not feel bad about spending money on the stuff like that. So you can kind of depreciate them over a lot more parties. So we're like, yeah, let's, let's do a festival and we'll do that. And We'll brew, uh, we'll brew a fest beer, like maybe like a fest beer with like a different hop or something, and that'll be cool. And then I realized we're doing fest beer for Oktoberfest anyways, and I don't want to make the same exact beer and be like, this one's got Hallow Tower, and this one's got Saws, and it's a beer that you're not supposed to taste much hops in in the first place. So that's when I was saying, let's make a fest Pilsner, and it was kind of a funny argument, and John was like, that's not a style. I'm like, yes, it is. If I make it, it's a style. It's called a Fest Pilsner. It's a Pilsner. We make it to Fest strength. And he's like, no, it's Zenfest Pilsner. And I was like, yeah, Zenfest Pilsner. Zenfest Pilsner. So we kind of argued about that. And then, <laughs> and he was like, fine, whatever. Just make what you're going to do. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that anyways. We're going to do that. It's going to be cool. Trust me. You'll like it. And, um, so we go ahead and we, we made, um, kind of like going off the Fest style where, a fest beer is, you know, you take your Hellas pretty much and you make a little bit heavier um, AB version of the Hellas, almost like Imperial Hellas, which comes out around like 6% or 5 8 to 6. It's not like crazy Imperial, like when you think of the word Imperial or um, higher alcohol, but it's like a little bit higher. And with that, you get a little more of the bready qualities of the malt. And in a normal fest beer, the hops are a little bit more restrained. So you taste more malt in a fest beer than you would hops. So for this one, we went with um, Bohemian floor malted barley, went through a normal single decoction process, and we hopped it with American-grown Saz hops and Mount Hood. So they're both American hops that are, they have, well, American Saz is Saz grown in America, so it's got a different, a little bit of different flavor to it. The um, kind of that herbaliness is still in there, but it has a little bit of a, uh, a little more like fruit characteristic to it. Not a whole ton, a little bit more citrusy than you'd see in a normal sauce hop. And then, uh, Mount hood, which we've, we've always used that one for, um, for Valkyrie for a while. And that is a, it has a lineage to Hallatower. So it's like they're American hops that have some, um, noble qualities to them. So we hopped it with that, um, typical, um, hopping schedule, we do a first wort edition, and then our, our last edition is around 15 minutes. So 
the rest of it is no whirlpool or anything, no dry hopping and just trying to create just kind of like a nice, like, like bitter background, some aroma on a style that you would normally try and have like mostly malt kind of coming through. And, um, pretty happy with it. Came out great. I really like it a lot. And we, yeah, it sounds super filtered cool. It really well too. From the, uh, can design and everything you have that kind of classic German style, like, that Zen fest kind of like really yeah. <laughs> bold and screaming at you. It's supposed um, to yell it when you kind say of, it. Yeah. Right? You, you, yeah, you imagine it in a very aggressive tone. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind. It's John screaming it. So yeah, that's yeah, so what I can hear too. I heard him screaming that when he had the idea to make the party that, and I was like, all right, cool, let's, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna give this bad boy a pour. All right, cheers. So yeah, you got like a really nice, like bright gold. The carbonation is aggressive. It is active. It is uh, really coming up from that bottom of the glass and a really nice head on top. Mm. And I don't know, beer flavored beer just always smells so good. Yeah, it always works. Yeah, wonderful malt forward experience here. It's, uh, yeah, fest beer like with that kind of like really nice spicy. And you're right, there is that like, sort of a a citrusy thing going on like a really light lemon peel lime peel type of thing going on in the background um but great spice great herbal character on it too full bodied you know this is a this is like a beer that you can really feel going down it's like a got a nice mouth feel on it really smooth but like significant mm. wow that's going down fast too that's the point <laughs> <laughs> Going at, looking at this beer and comparing it across the kind of like flagship portfolio, what is your what are your main sellers? Like I know I see a lot of lightest one. What what is your like top one or two beers? Lightest one is definitely one of the top ones, and it will trade off with Valkyrie sometimes um, here and there. But um, lightest one we do a ton of. That's kind of one of our our biggest ones. Um, it's just such a great all round beer. That's just that's just why, and it, it's something that like if you're the most nerdy beer drinker, you're going to want that. If you're someone who's like, yeah, I'm like not into beer. I drink Bud Light all the time. It'll still, it'll taste great. It'll taste actually better than what you're drinking before. And it might bring you into craft beer more into the rabbit hole of every other style out there. So it's like a very approachable style. Um, pretty much everyone likes the lightest one. And we named it that because people come to our bar all the time and be like, oh, what's your lightest one? I want something light. What's your lightest one? Instead of being like, all right, we'll make some like corn lager or a blonde ale. We're like, let's make the literally the best lightest beer in the world. And we'll call it that. And when people order the lightest one, they'll think we're screwing with them. And it'll be really funny. And we'll just say, the lightest one is. And they'll be like, no, really? But what is? And I'm like, no, it's the lightest one. So <laughs> we probably sell the most of that one. And then um, our, our single hop Pilsner series has been really um, kicking off like a lot. Like we, we just went straight to draft in the last two of them because we didn't have any tank space. We're, we're doing a um, bunch of other like stuff. Anniversary, Oktoberfest was filling every every container in the brewery almost for a little while. So uh, we're going to get back into doing that and canning it again. But that one, um, that was a really fun one. That's when we take, it's the same recipe every single time. It's all just, it's just hundred percent Pilsner malt, same mash profile and the same IBU, same kind of hopping regimen with, um, first wort, some, um, um, bittering. And then the last is like, you know, 15. And the whole idea is like, take that, like, 
single hop like flavor that that flavor from that one signature hop and show what it's like coming from only boiling and a normal like balance that you would get so like when you see something like a uh, simcoe single hop ipa like that tastes like what it's like being beaten to death with a bag of simcoe which is delicious sometimes it's awesome you know i, I love the single hop beers because it's like fun to see what they what they feel like when you dry hop with certain styles like that but we don't get is like what if i just like bittered it with simcoe and um you know had some kind of a little bit later additions not like total whirlpool and it's mostly like balancing out the malt what does it happen there and what you get is like a very very different effect out of it so that's been a really fun one to do and we're kind of rotating through that all the time now and then um, Valkyrie has has always been a uh, a great seller for us, and that's kind of that's really kind of got us going because we we liked it so much. We liked making alt beer that was like you know, we went to Dusseldorf and did that whole thing up there. It was just kind of cool and loved the whole German culture and home brewing was like alt was the one you could you could obtain that you could you could brew that one and ferment it and a, nor- a normal like keg cooler and not like you know a glycol chilled conical fermenter so we always did alt and a lot of people they they recognize that's the beer that like got them onto our brewery so that's like the standard for a lot of people um and then out of that um seasonally like hefeweizen just usually kills it in the summertime we're ripping through that like crazy um which is great because if you got a brewery that is focusing on making beers that are running like six to eight weeks having a beer that comes out in 10 days is awesome because it kind of helps you balance that out a little bit. So, um, we're zipping through that one all the time. And, uh, yeah, like recently like our board has been, I think Hellas and then all Pilsner and then Nighthawk on it. So, um, that, that's been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, balance. So it's balance. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually we, we had, it, we're, um, we put like two pills on the board once and, John and I were talking and I was like, oh man, we're going to have like three on there. Like, crap, that's, is that too many? And we're like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. You can have all IPAs and the one beer that's different is a pale ale or something. It's like, no, screw it. Let's, let's on purpose make as many pills as we can right now. It'll be awesome. And then we did that and we're like, okay, yeah, the board is literally all the same beer and the same color and it's <laughs> all just different hops in there. It was kind of fun just going through a whole flight of like only Pilsner and trying them all out. But then the kind of it kind of goes a little darker in the winter time. We get into like more Vienna Lager. Um, Oktoberfest comes back. Dunkel, one of my favorite beers, and um, Doppelbach. So I'm, I'm excited for that one. Yeah, you guys package your Oktoberfest and distribute that too. We do. Yes, we made a lot of it this year. Yeah, so it's uh, we we're canning it today. Actually, I just tried it. It's so good. Can machine broke down on me, so I got to go and fix that. More done. <laughs> it's always something. It's it's been great for so long, and all of a sudden something happens. I got to find out what what's wrong with her and put it back. But yes, that'll be coming out very soon. And you're you're not calling someone to fix it. You're the guy that comes to fix it. No, right? I'm the guy that has to fix everything and design everything, which is good. I mean, if, if you're an engineer, you can fix everything. But the bad part is when something breaks, you can't just go call someone all the time. Is you got to just do it yourself. But yeah, so I'm gonna do that. Talk to a couple yeah, so. couple brewers that have been like, uh, yeah. Whenever I get into a bind with like something breaking down, sometimes I just call Chris <laughs> from Enneagram and uh, he yeah, talks gonna, me through it. Yeah. <laughs> Namely, uh, yeah, Nick oh yeah, Nick, yeah, Nick's a good guy. I like Nick. Yeah, 
um, I got, I got a nice big, like parts bin of electronic stuff that, you know, it's like my, uh, throwaway stuff. So I'm always like, no, no, please take it. I don't need this anymore. I'll, I'll come to your place. And if I can score a case of beer, it'd be fun. <laughs> so yeah, but I, I like doing that. It's, it's a fun, <laughs> it's a fun game. So, so the Zane Fest, uh, is this going out into market or is this only from the, from the brewery? Uh, yeah, it, it went out. Okay, cool. I'm not sure when and where. That's a good John question. No worries. But um, I, I know we packaged it up and we put it on a truck, and I know he knows where it's going. <laughs> all I'm making sure is that like we get all the stuff in, we make it, it comes off the canning line, I get enough for myself, and the rest of it goes out of the fridge, and then and then it's out there somewhere. But yeah, it's you have to be able to delegate something. So if anything, it's that. Yes, yes. You got to know what you're good at, and then find someone else to do the rest of it that you're not good at. There's <laughs> a lot of things. So if you were talking to someone who might be familiar with some of your beers and you're like, you're describing this one, how do how do you, how do you differentiate this beer specifically from some of the staples in your guys's lineup? Well, I would say, um, so take Hellas, the malty, you know, balance between hops and malt and look at, you know, a Pilsner where it's like a little bit drier and a little bit more uh, grassy, aggressive on the bitterness side of it. And think of something that is kind of in the middle of that, but a little bit more beefy to it, a little bit more body. Just because when you put more alcohol, it's the same exact grain too. You know, it's just, we just use a little bit more of it. So it's only Pilsner malt in there. That's, that's it. Um, that's kind of like between those two. So you want something that's got a little bit more of a body to it, but still light, but has some hops to it, but not very necessarily dry like a Pilsner, then it's kind of like fitting in right there. You mentioned you guys sometimes play around with other styles, throw some ales in there. I have a, I I, cu- I couldn't believe my eyes. Like I have a can of Ennegrin IPA in my fridge right now. Yeah, that's right. Uh huh. I, I know that's a special release, um, something a little fun that that the team over there put together. Um, I'm gonna grab it and I'm gonna try it. You don't have to. Yeah, try sure. It along with Do it. it. <laughs> I don't know your thoughts. Yeah. So so that was the first beer we ever made. Uh, in our, our old brewery, um, if we could do it, we would start off with only alt. And this is going off of like what Matt and I thought were cool. What was cool about German breweries? It was like, it was like we only make this, and it's been this for 500 years, and we're really good at it. And I was like, that's badass. Like that's cool. I, I like those like places that make only a hamburger, and it's really really good, or only something, and it's just that's it. And uh, going into it, we're like, we should do that. That'd be fun. But then we're like, we're going to pick the most obscure style and do that with. People don't even know how to pronounce it or know what it even means. So, like, maybe we should put, like, an IPA on there, too. Like, we, we always – we liked IPAs, too. Just, like, it was probably, like, one-twentieth of the beers we've ever made on our, our home brewery. It was just something that, like, we mostly liked, you know, the German stuff. And so uh, getting into, like, the, the commercial system, we're like, okay, let's uh, – We'll do an IPA first because our, our joke when we were homebrewing was like, ah, it didn't taste very good. Dry hop it. It's an IPA now and we'll be good. We'll hide <laughs> whatever we did wrong there. So uh, we, we'll, we'll do IPA. Uh, we'll figure out how it's going. If we end up like lighter in quality, then it will be like, you know, a sessionable IPA. If it's way too heavy, then it will be like a double IPA. We can kind of like figure out what we want to do with it, depending on like how it fermented out, like what kind of hops we want to dry hop it with. We can try some different experiments. So it was like it was a good good like test brew beer. 
And that was the one we want to keep on tap, like as our only kind of IPA. And the funny thing about that is, since Matt and I are from Massachusetts, the word East Coast IPA. When I say East Coast IPA right now, I'm sure you're always thinking like, like hazy IPA, right? I know you're thinking that. So like when we were thinking East Coast IPA, that meant like malty. It was malty, like English IPA, because. The breweries out there, like I remember Mayflower Brewery, um, a couple other ones, like even Harpoon, they were like substantial, amberish, heavy beers with a nice, good, balanced hop quality to them, but they weren't ever like crazy hoppy. So we were starting off when the West Coast IPA was, I mean, it's crazy saying this, the West Coast IPA was to us as the silly trend going around. And I, I, I can't believe I'm saying it because it's like West Coast IPA is the most normal thing <laughs> I've ever heard of in my life right now in terms of beer because right. beer now is seltzer. Like this is where, how far we've come from <laughs> what the hell's going on. But um, yeah, so it was like, we'll do an East Coast IPA because it'll be different. We'll, uh, we'll stand out because we'll also have very like dry hop forward beers and we'll do like something more malty because we're all about like balanced kind of stuff like all german beer is very balanced it's not one flavor it just punches you in the face ever it's all nice and kind of there so we went with that so the grain bill of that one is almost 50 percent munich type one malt and a little bit of caramel malt and then like 10 percent oats on it and then um just uh like two row like regular um uh, pale two row malt so like the grain base is it's almost like something like a Vienna would kind of come out to. So it's got a nice like copper color to it. And then we hopped it with just like a really crazy weird schedule of um I think we got Centennial, Mount Hood, which is odd to be in an IPA, but why not? Um Nugget. We were always a big fan of Nugget hops. We dry hopped it with Nugget too. And then um Chinook and Cascade. So um got a lot of hops going on in there. And and to us it was like we always liked it, but people would always be like, I mean, it's it's okay, it's not the best IPA. And I'm like, all right, I didn't ever ask for it to be the best. It's just good. It's, I think it's a good IPA. It's all we wanted. We're just like we're we're focusing on this stuff, but this is what we want to have for like, you know that. But um, but it was always like it's not hoppy enough. It's not hoppy enough. It needs to be hoppy. It needs to be hoppier. It needs to be. Hoppy. We're like, all right, well, I know we don't are trying to do that, but hung on to that for a while, and then we ended up like changing it up, making like regular just generic emigrant IPA and then that's when we're just like and we don't do this anymore we're done I and mean, now it's all German stuff but um, yeah so that's, that's Protector so we decided after 10 years of brewing we would um, release that one again and it'd be kind of fun yeah really cool label too so, so what do you think if you, if you say it tastes terrible I'm fine because we take we took our old recipe and just ran it again this gives me like uh, Pacific Northwest vibes all the way like you know okay, color yeah aroma is all like piney and citrusy and really bright but also really green too yeah piney hops were big then that was that was the thing yeah this reminds which i i do i do miss the really piney ipas out there yeah this has a nice pine element to it this is but you know it's this is really cool because it's got that pretty big malt presence on it but it's balanced out by like really fresh forest floor type of pine that keeps it drinking bright. Um, it balances out the sweetness that could be there from that malt and uh, and really keeps it drinking like really nice and fresh. It's got a great bitterness on it, not over the top, but just enough where you want it to be. I like this a lot. This is cool. This is like, I mean, you don't see beer like this. You know, this is cool. Call Protector. We had a dog named uh, Duke and we're home brewing. 
he used to hang out in the driveway. It was always at night we're brewing. He kind of like growl in the distance. One of the jokes was like, oh, he's kind of protecting us from like the bad spirits going to ruin our like sparge or something that you'd, you'd say when we're brewing. But uh, we had this really like detailed um, brew log of everything that was happening that day, like the sports game, what was happening, like what dumb thing someone said. It was just like everything we were just keeping track of. And one of them was we went back to that recipe to kind of pick it up for the uh, the uh, commercial brewery. We noticed like, oh, the protector is outside. And we go, oh, that's kind of cool because he, he, he ended up passing away before we opened up. And um, we thought we'd give him a little shout out there. So that is the name for it. Love it. In the past 10 years, we've seen, uh, you know, the whole industry grow. We talked a lot about how things have changed uh, from a just craft beer industry perspective, specifically the hop industry, um, agriculturally, technologically, um, the engineer product side of things. Like there's just a ton going on uh, when we talk about kind of like new school hops and new school hop products. Do those have a a role or do those have a space in the types of beers that you guys are doing? Will we ever see, you know, an Idaho 7 or something like that in an Ennegrin beer? Is, are these newer be- hops something that you're interested in playing with at all? Oh, definitely. I mean, for the most part, like I, I look at all the new hops coming out and I try to work them into our, our pills series because just because we can try them out like that. So for the most part, we, we look at like the lower alpha hops just so we can get that German effect out of the, you know, a lot more hop material going in, a little bit more grassy flavors out of it. So I look for something that's like, you know, like seven at the highest maybe, but um, we'll probably end up doing like a Chinook one this fall. I like Chinook. It'd be kind of fun to have like a really pine cone type Pilsner out there. But um, yeah, so we use, we do that in our, um, our rotating series a lot. And then we actually just made a New Zealand IPA where we dry hopped it. So um, we got, we got um, Pacifica, um, Nelson, and Matueka, and we dry hopped it with Nelson. I think all three of those, too. So that came out really cool. So, um, you know, things like that we kind of we push a little bit of. But not a whole ton. You know, like we're – none of us have ever been, like, crazy hop heads. So, like, you'll see, like, the amount of hop beers on the menu that we usually, like, will drink here and there. Like, you know, like Lagertha, I love that beer. It's, like, a, a great, like, balance between – you know, hops and not like kind of over the top, but, um, like most of our stuff is like going towards like a different style like that. Yeah. And I guess there's, uh, from a consumer standpoint, all the focus is on hops, um, on the malt side of things. Is there anything interesting from like a new products, new producers, uh, perspective that you're interested in or that you're excited about, or is it kind of like, everybody's really just doing the same thing as before. Well, there's a lot of new craft malting companies coming up and those are really interesting. So I like taking those and doing, um, you know, little collaborations with them. We do the uh, American Rye Heights Kabat every year where we use all American ingredients. And I try to get something that's from like either like a craft malting company or something I haven't used before ever. So we're always looking for like the little farms that are putting stuff out. We've done like Admiral maltings in the past a couple of times and, um, yeah, you know, that, that's kind of fun because there's always some like new grain that comes out. Then you have a new, new idea to kind of make something with that. So I always keep my eyes open for that as well as the hops. And then yeast as well, too. There's a lot of different yeasts out there. But for the most part, like you could probably like sum our brewery up with 
Halle Tower, Pilsner Mall, Munich, and you know, our the locker yeast we use, and that's pretty much like a lot of our stuff comes from <laughs> those sources. If it ain't broke, which is great don't fix because it. yeah, because I, I'm glad that like we're not like paying the bills as a, as an IPA brewery, and, I, and my friends like all own like breweries that do like a lot of IPAs and just thinking about like trying to strategize like your hop contracts and then what new beer you're going to put out there. Like I tell our hop supplier, I'm just like, look, I just, just make sure I can get enough Halle Tower and size. And like, no problem. It's easy. <laughs> like, okay, great. I don't have to talk anymore. This is perfect. So that, that's nice. It's a, it's less work I have to do. Yeah. It's a good balance. Like your production schedule might be a little bit longer per beer, but the headache that you have to deal with and the cost per beer ingredients wise might be offset by that yeah we're, we're just used to it we're used to it being a pain in the ass and then taking that lunch time right cool man well uh 10 years in uh any thoughts for the next 10 years or even the next year like any thoughts for the future um city of moore park Ennegrin brewing uh what do you have on the horizon well, we're just going to continue what we're doing. We're going to keep adding tanks in as as we need them, which we always need right now, which has been great. So um, got a, just got one in like two weeks ago, and then I got another one coming in, uh, I think, next week. So always adding to our spot like that, and our, our beer garden is getting really awesome, kind of like all the uh, local businesses we have like a little HOA we kind of made and we like all put in like money into it to to buy common things so we're like slowly building things up and getting things even better so we're really kind of focusing on all that stuff and just keeping the place just like keeping the heart in it and making sure that every step we take forward we're doing it because we're kind of guided there by what we want to do and not because of like something else and that's it just trying to stay true to ourselves I would love to get a offsite tap room somewhere but honestly watching how california shut down all the businesses with all the covid stuff it frightens the heck out of me to open up anything else so yeah we'll kind of see how that plays out in the future but you know ventura county is a little different thank god yeah for sure it's it's been nuts and i've hesitated to ask that question over the past year because it's like let's just try to get through the next four weeks and uh see what happens there but um yeah good to see you know the focus on that local community because it really is a community you get in that the alleyway or the alley and uh all the different small businesses in there it feels like um it's just a great vibe you know you want to give back to small businesses you want to experience local community it's right there um it's really right in your face and it's a great experience uh, any chance that as you grow, you delegate or outsource the fixing of equipment, or is that always going to be your uh, your safe space? Pretty good at it, so I don't know. If I can find something better, it'd be great. But <laughs> I mean, I do all the programming and stuff. So when when Tommy's like, "Hey, the brew systems mess up," I'm like, "Oh crap! I can't call anyone for that. I have the computer with all the stuff on it." So. Yeah, it's just what I like to do. I, I gotta, I gotta be part of something always. <laughs> so, like I said, it's 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 only a job if you hate doing it. And I, I just I love every part of this whole thing. So I, I like to work, and I will never want to retire from this. So, yeah, it's I will keep uh, doing, it. I keep fixing stuff. It's refreshing to hear, man. It's a it's a refreshing sentiment, and um, yeah, super proud of you guys and what you guys have built. Uh, big fan, big supporter. Uh, you'll always have an ally in us, and. Um, yeah, as long as you keep making the good beer, which it sounds like you will, uh, yeah, we'll be good going forward. 
You got it. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for thanks for the support. Thanks for having us on the show. I, I know we're not really a LA brewery, but um, it's great. You kind of consider that we're close enough to LA, I guess. Yeah, right yeah. The, we're neighbors. The hill there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like Moore Park is a little bit. Yeah, it's outside the county lines, and it's also I don't know if everybody knows where Moore Park is or what it is, but it's a nice little destination, you know. Uh, take an hour or two out of your day, depending on where you're at in L.A., drive out there. And um, I guess if you were um, strategic enough, you could take the trains and uh, get off at that stop off of High Street. Yeah, actually, we we, uh, we just have started doing Saturday service for the Metrolink. So we can get from um, – actually, I can take from from Moore Park down to L.A. and back. So 8 o'clock train down to L.A. and then back at 4. So there's one train up to our area at 4 o'clock. And then we're going to start getting that the other way pretty soon too. So pretty soon we'll be pretty much linked together, which is great because traffic – I mean, we're not that far away really. But with traffic, it seems like we're the next state over. But even people in like Thousand Oaks look at Moore Park and it's like, oh, Moore Park's so far away. No, it's not. It's not far away at all. It's just you just think it is because you never go out here for anything. But um, now we're, we're getting a lot of cool stuff. It's um, the town is growing the right way. I think we got a lot of good, you know, mom and pop, higher end stuff coming in, like you know, artisanal stuff. And I think we're gonna have a really cool downtown area very soon. We're still we're building that up, and a lot of cool restaurants are coming in. So. I would say, like, look a year from now, we're going to have Moore Park as kind of a destination. And it's just a, I mean, I feel like I'm giving a plug for the city, which I'm probably obligated to do anyways because I'm on the city council. But um, it's a great place to live. I mean, it's it's good place to buy a house, raise a, raise a family. It's nice and clean, safe. And um, I just love brewing beer here and living here. If I don't have to leave, I don't want to. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. Great spot. Um, yeah, guys, check out Ennegrin. Um, Chris, thanks so much. Congrats on 10 years. Uh, and hopefully I'll, uh, I'll see you around the brewery pretty soon. You got it. Thanks a lot. See you later. Cheers. And there you have it, folks. Uh, such a great conversation with Chris from Ennegrin. Uh, it was so awesome learning more about the philosophy that they've employed over the years in becoming just a truly unique place. Uh, again, you should check them out in person. Uh, their space in Moore Park is awesome, uh, but they're getting their beer around Southern California. You can probably find it uh, really anywhere, San Diego, Orange County, throughout LA, Ventura County. Um, really, really good loggers. If you haven't dipped your toe into the world of lagers. Ennegrin is a great brewery to kind of lead you down that path. Their hell is the lightest one is a great one to start with. Uh, if you're more of a hop head, Lagertha is a uh, mosaic hopped lager that is very, very good. And then like we talked about in the podcast, the Zanefest is a really unique beer, kind of a hybrid hell is Pilsner, but amped up. And then their single hot Pilsner series cannot be missed. So uh, definitely check out Ennegrin. Uh, thanks to Chris for joining me and talking with me for a little bit. Uh, just love those beers. They're just so, so, so good. So anyways, thanks to you guys for listening. I'm going to pop open another Ennegrin beer because why not? You had one, you had two, might as well keep them going. 
Uh, but in the meantime, if you guys could do the like subscribe, review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, but really the thing that I'll ask is sign up for our email newsletter, hopdla.com slash subscribe. And that's going to get you on our email list where we send out once a week some of our latest and greatest news, beer releases, events, um, all that fun stuff. So hopdla.com slash subscribe. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will see you in a couple weeks. Peace out.